she's laying before the Father for you. And so, Karen, we're excited. I want you to come and just share what God has laid on your heart. See, I thought I'd cut you off there. Okay. So after seven years, you know, I think that I have done some weird things in the past. And uh, every Mother's Day, when it comes to it, I... Uh, I just kind of wait, and I wait, and I wait, and uh, some years it comes quicker than others. And uh, this year, I think it's still coming. <laughs> um, this year, Jolene and I turned 45 years old, if you want to know, um, a landmark in our lives, yes. And uh, so this year, uh, I, I guess I was a little bit more sentimental and contemplative on the whole motherhood thing um, as we get closer to the top of the hill before we start climbing down the hill. Uh, I had to think, what, what, what am I going to leave behind? You know, what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? And uh, the last few months I've been going through some pretty... Uh, dark times with my family, not this family, the ones in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And so that made me think, what have they left for me? So out of all of that study, this is what came and, uh, for Mother's Day and what God spoke to my heart. The first thing, believe it or not, that came to my mind is a book that I never read to my children. I never read this book to my children, but I'm going to read it to them today and any other children in the house. I'll um, share this with you today. It is simply called, Are You My Mother? And I think you're going to actually be able to follow around. Are You My Mother? A mother bird sat on her egg. The egg jumped. Oh, oh, said the mother bird, my baby will be here. He will want to eat. I must get something for my baby bird to eat, she said. I'll be back. So she went away. The egg jumped. It jumped and jumped and jumped. And out came the baby bird. Where is my mother, he said. And he looked for her. He looked up. He didn't see her. He looked down. He didn't see her. I'll go and look for her, he said. So he went away. Down out of the tree he went. Down, down, down. It was a long way down. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> the baby bird could not fly. He could not fly, but he could walk. Now I will go and find my mother, he said. He did not know what his mother looked like. He went right by her. He did not see her. This disturbed me a little bit, I must say. <laughs> he came to a kitten. Are you my mother, he said to the kitten. I would think at that point the kitten would say, no, but you are my dinner. <laughs> the kitten just looked and looked, and it did not say a thing. 
Then he came to, oh, the kitten was not, the kitten was not his mother, so he went on. Then he came to a hen. Are you my mother, he said to the hen. No, said the hen. The kitten was not his mother. The hen was not his mother. So the baby bird went on. I have to find my mother, he said, but where? Where is she? Where could she be? Then he came to a dog. Are you my mother, he said to the dog. I am not your mother. I'm a dog, said the dog. The kitten was not his mother. The hen was not his mother. The dog was not his mother. So the baby bird went on, and now he came to a cow. Are you my mother, he said to the cow. How could I be your mother, said the cow. I am a cow. The kitten and the hen were not his mother. The dog and the cow were not his mother. Did he have a mother? I did have a mother, said the baby bird. I know I did. I have to find her. I will. I will. Now the baby bird did not walk. He ran. Then he saw a car. Could that old thing be his mother? Nope, it could not. The baby bird did not stop. He ran on and on. Now he looked way down and he saw a boat. There he is, or there she is, said the baby bird. He called to the boat, but the boat did not stop. The boat went on. He looked way, way up and he saw a big plane. Here I am, mother, he called out. But the plane did not stop. The plane went on. Just then the baby bird saw a big thing. Now I'm kind of a, I could be a little offended that when he saw the big thing, he thought it was his mother, but this must be his mother. There she is, he said. There is my mother. He ran right up to it. Mother, mother, here I am, mother, he said to the big thing. But the big thing just said snort. Oh, you are not my mother, said the baby bird. You are a snort. I have to get out of here. But the baby bird could not get away. The snort went up. It went way, way up, and up and up, up went the baby bird. But now, where was the snort going? Oh, 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 what is this snort going to do to me? Get me out of here. Just then, the snort came to a stop. Where am I, said the baby bird. I want to go home. I want my mother. I've heard that so many times. Then something happened. The snort put that baby bird right back in the tree, and the baby bird was home. Just then, the mother bird came back to the tree. Do you know who I am, she said to her baby. Yes, I know who you are, said the baby bird. You're not a kitten. You're not a hen. You're not a dog, not a cow, not a boat or a plane or a snort. You are a bird, and you are my mother. Oh, isn't that sweet? You are my mother. I know who my mother is. I know who my father is. I know who some of my grandparents are. There's a television show that's on right now called Who Do You Think You Are? It's very interesting. Stars um, get to invest they invest all this money and they go and they find the roots of their family for different movie stars. Tim, uh, Tim McGraw, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, just different ones. And it's interesting to see how far back they can trace their family roots, and their tree, and they uh, discover just terrific things. So uh, in light of this, I decided to go on Ancestry.com because when you go on Ancestry.com, 
Facebook.com, you pay for a membership for a month, and they will help you search out your family tree. So I did that. I was really, really hoping for some, you know, crazy spiritual giant in my uh, past. Uh, it didn't happen. Not at all. I, I really wanted something great. Uh, but in the midst of all this, I want to show you real quick before we go on with this. My uh, grandmother, my crazy grandmother, who no longer knows who I am, had made this for me when Steve and I first got married. And it is our family tree as far back as she could remember. And in fact, she brought it all the way down, and it's me and Steve, and Fergie was our child at that time, which was our Yorkshire Terrier. So uh, I was fortunate because I was able to take these names and plug them into Ancestry.com and search where my family came from, and I searched where Steve came from. And it would be too hard for me to show you Ancestry. So I'm just going to walk you through real quick. This slide was Mother's Day last year, and um, it makes me sad because Brandon was in that picture, and he won't be in the picture this year, but that was last year. This is current day family, current day family, and so I started to trace how we got to here. So we couldn't get to there without this. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a keeper right there. So then we had to go here. You know, that's Karen. That's me. Well, that's me. And I discovered uh, last night when I was looking at it, that's a potty chair. So uh, notice the scared look. Yeah. Then we have. This was way back when they were happy. That's my dad and my mom, and of course, that's me. That's probably one of the only pictures that we have of uh, happiness right there. So there, there's the parents. Now this is my, hold, it gets good. This is my maternal grandparents from left to right. That's my grandpa and my grandma couples. And then that's my grandmother, Dupler, and that's my grandfather, Dupler, holding me. And uh, about a year later from that picture, he passed. So that's the only picture I have of him. Now we're going to go back on my, my mother's side. In the middle is my grandma holding me. To the left is my great-grandmother. In the maroon dress is my great-great-grandmother. And on the right side is my great-grandmother, uh, step-great-grandmother, because my real great-grandmother died in Scotland before she came to America. Now, there's me. That's, oh no, that's my great-grandpa couples. It gets good, just hold on with me a minute. Great-grandpa couples came from Scotland to America. That's me. This frightened me, I gotta tell ya. And this is what happens when you go on Ancestry.com. For a while, it's all good, you know? And then you get to this, that right there. That's a horror picture right there, I'm just telling you. I, I'm just, I came from that. That frightens me. The, in the front row right there is, um, her name is Yura, U-R-A. That is my great-grandmother. 
Next to her, that happy guy right there in the middle, that's my great-grandfather, Benjamin. I'm really glad that I didn't meet them. Then this is all their children. That's my great-aunt Mabel, I believe. The guy on the right is my grandfather, Dupler. His brother, Russell, and the, uh, the other brother, Emmett. I did meet Uncle Emmett. He wasn't so bad. Then, yeah, this one's me. This one is, this is, yeah. His name's Peter Whitmer, and he's from the Dupler side, and he fought in the American Revolutionary War. On down his line uh, somewhere, part of his relatives claimed to have been with Joseph Smith when he received whatever it is he received. Pull it out. Okay. Anyway, there's me. Now it gets good. That right there. That's your senior pastor in Pampers. <laughs> oh, go back to the Pampers. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> okay, so we're going to look at Steve's side real quick. There he is in Pampers. Now, this is the classic family photo of those days. There's Don. That is his mom, Sherilyn. And then at the top, you have Tammy, Don Ann, Steve, and Beth. I'm going to have to switch. This right here is his dad's mom, Blondie. And what you see is exactly what you got with her. She's about as Linton, Indiana, as they come. In fact, her husband was the one that was buried in his overalls, correct? I'm going to switch, Brent. Okay, that, now, you've got to work with me on this one. Look closely at the face and then the legs. That's Steve's mom. But doesn't it look like Steve in drag? It does. That looks like Steve and Drag. We were in the airport uh, getting ready to go to Springfield, and I was showing him these slides, and we laughed till we cried. Oh, go back to Steve and Drag and me. You got to get the full effect of that. Steve, can you stand up and get that pose a minute for us? That's Steve's mom. I love that picture. This is... Uh, his grandma, Bessie Faye, and his grandfather, Benjamin. That was a popular name, right? Benny. Benny and Bessie. All right. And this, I know it's a bad quality, but that is the last picture that Steve and I have of him with his mother. And uh, I don't know if I cherish this picture more than Steve, but... Um, I don't know, I've, I look at it all the time, and that look that Sherilyn has on her face is the same look of frustration that I get when Elliot is doing, I, I, I relate to that, to that look, because he was just irritating her, and I can hear her saying, telling him to get off of her, 
But that's where it stops. That's about as far back, you know, that's all we have left uh, of Sherilyn's legacy is this picture. And I'm thankful. And you'll see, it looks like smudges on her face. Those are tattoos. They were putting tattoos all over their, uh, themselves that day. And we figured that was probably just a few weeks before uh, Steve lost his mother in the middle of the night and she passed. Those are, those are precious things for us. It's, our, it's what we've got. It's what we have to give our kids. You know, this morning I made a point to wear a ring that was my grandmother Dupler's. My aunt gave it to me. It was really the only thing that she had that was sentimental. And uh, they saw to it that I received it, and I cherish it. But those are just earthly things, earthly things. You know, when we, we share family stories, it's so important to know where you came from and what's been left to you. And, you know, in looking to the future, what you have, you know, to give. I always wondered, you know, I have a great gift in being able to touch my tongue to my nose. I can do it. Where did that come from? Silly little things. Elliot can get his tongue way up his nose. It's been passed down to generation to generation. Just, just things like that. Things like that. Where did that all come from? Who, who started that? You know? And uh, one thing I learned in, in going through this is there are some family trees you, you don't want to really research. You know, I, I don't really want to research Stacy Trotter's tree because uh, God only knows what we'll find with that. You need to stay away from it. So here it is. Here it is. We're going to do a little bit of Ancestry.com Bible, Bible style. So here is your scripture for Mother's Day, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The family tree of Jesus Christ, David's son, Abraham's son. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Judah and his brothers. Judah had Perez and Zerah. The mother was Tamar. Perez had Hezron. Hezron had Aram. Aram had Aminadab, Aminadab had Nashon, Nashon had Salmon, Salmon had Boaz, his mother was Rahab, Boaz had Obed, Ruth was the mother, Obed had Jesse, Jesse had David, David became king. One last scripture, David had Solomon, Uriah's wife was the mother. So, if we were do, to do Ancestry.com Bible style, this is, this is where we'd go. And this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Uh, if you just take the time and study it, it is amazing. I'm so thankful that God saw fit to leave us a little history in the life of Jesus. So I want to just look at his family tree and see what legacy was left behind for him. Short and sweet. I think when you're doing the ancestry of Jesus, the first woman you have to look at, even though she's not married, is, or is she's not mentioned, is Sarah. Because Sarah left to us 
a legacy. All these ladies left a legacy. Sarah left a legacy of laughter. You know, we know that she laughed in Scripture. It tells us when she was told she was going to give, a give birth to a child at 90. She laughed a whole lot, though. She laughed a whole lot. Her story is found in the Genesis, starting with chapter 12 and goes from there. But the first time she laughed, I believe, is when Abraham told her, pack it up, sister, we're going to move to some place. I don't know where, but we're moving. And she said, we're going to go where? Because they were wealthy. And as they were moving, they get to Egypt. He tells Sarah, now I want you to pretend to be my sister. Because if you're my wife, they'll surely kill me. So just pretend you're my sister. Which was only a half lie because she was a half sister. I can imagine her just laughing at him, shaking his hand, thinking you're crazy. Shaking her head, you're crazy. Then... The next time she laughed is one of my favorites, and I'm just, I'm taking liberty here. You can fight me on it. But in Genesis 17, there's a little portion of scripture where uh, God is talking to Abraham, completing a covenant with him, and he advises Abraham that all of the males that are with him and he himself will need to be circumcised. And... Uh, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't, they didn't get any bourbon or anything to help it go down or anything like that. But can you just imagine, this was after Sarah had already had to lie about being his sister and uh, do some ridiculous things. And God says, it's all right, I'm going to go ahead and do this to Abraham. That was, that's a pretty good laugh, I think. After that, they, they are traveling again. She has to say that she is Abraham's sister. And then, of course, he says she's going to give birth at the age of 90. She does give birth. And Isaac's name actually means laughter, legacy of laughter. It's an important thing to leave behind, to be able to laugh. Not just laugh at situations, but with your family. I, I think of so many different stories that we've shared down through the past. And I love when they ask us, Ask us to talk about our past, that we can laugh so much about it. So a legacy of laughter. Then we move down to Tamar. Tamar is really interesting. Her story, if you're doing the check on her, it wouldn't be something that you would want to uh, have printed and hand out to all of your relatives. Tamar left behind a legacy of courage. Tamar is uh, left a widow without a son. Her husband dies. Judah happens to be her father-in-law. So Judah uh, asks his other son, Onan, to go and be with Tamar so that she can have a son. It's a Leverite marriage law that they are permitted to produce an heir for a brother who's died. This brother goes and he decides, you know, if I do this with Tamar, then that son is going to get all the money and get all the inheritance. Right now, I'm the only living son. It was a little bit of greed. I don't want to have a child with her. He goes in with her. He doesn't complete the task at hand, will not produce a son. He dies. Tamar is left alone again without an heir. Judah says, go back to your father. He'll take care of you. I have one more son. And when he is grown, I will send him, and he will help you produce an heir. 
Time goes on, that doesn't happen. Judah doesn't hold to his word. Tamar knows that she needs to have an heir to continue on. It's very, very important. So she decides that she is going to trick Judah, and that is exactly what she does. She goes on the side of the road. She dresses as a prostitute. He comes by. Her father-in-law doesn't recognize her, buys her for the night, leaves she becomes pregnant. She takes some of his items to prove for payment. Long story short, Tamar's pregnant. They bring her out before the crowd because Judah thinks that she has done something ungodly with somebody else. He has no idea how she's pregnant because he hasn't sent his son. And then when it is discovered that it was actually him that impregnated his daughter-in-law, and those are his children, he took responsibility and called them his own. Tamar has a line now, an heir. The interesting thing of this little branch on the family tree is Judah is Joseph's brother. And you would think that our Lord and Savior would rather come from a line of Joseph than Judah. So, so far, we have Sarah, the legacy of laughter, Judah or Tamar it left us a legacy of courage. She was courageous. I, I read this statement, I loved it. It says, Courage is not a characteristic of fearless people doing brave deeds. Courage is frightened people doing what needs to be done. Tamar was fearful for her future and not having an heir and being left with nothing not even a name. And so whether, of course, we agree with how she accomplished it or not, she did it. And she is part of Jesus's family tree. Next, we get to go on to, I think, perhaps my favorite lady of all time in the Bible, Rahab. I, I love Rahab. Whenever you hear Rahab's name, it, you, on, you immediately think of Rahab, the prostitute. But Rahab left a legacy of faith. Le Rahab had courage when she welcomed the spies and she covered for them. She protected them. Not only did she do that, but she asked for them to remember her entire family. She saved her entire family. But that's all great. And you would think, her story's in Joshua chapter 2, you would think that Rahab would be related with courage. It was a courageous thing. But Rahab chose to have faith in a God that she'd only heard about. She chose to believe. Everybody in the area had heard. They all knew what was coming. That's why we're, they were so afraid. Because they had heard of the God of Israel and everything that he had accomplished, all the miracles but Rahab was the only citizen that decided that she believed. She believed. And not only did she believe, but she made a way for her family also. And they were saved. Huge, huge legacy of faith to stand up and believe when nobody else does. Rahab goes on to marry one of the spies. She marries one of the spies. And 
as you go down, this is almost immediately Ruth, or um, sorry, Boaz is conceived, born, and that leads us to the next lady, Ruth, in Jesus' family tree. Ruth leaves us a legacy of loyalty, a legacy of loyalty. She was not only loyal when given the choice to go ahead and leave because her husband had died and her father-in-law had died and now her mother-in-law, mother-in-law, I can't imagine, was going to go back to her homeland. Ruth was not an Israelite. And Ruth made the decision that she was going to stay with her mother-in-law. She was going to be loyal. And we get that famous scripture that we hear in every wedding ceremony under the sun. She's going to stay. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. That's the key statement. Not only was she loyal to family, in-laws, but she was loyal to a God and to a faith. She chose to believe and be loyal, and out of her legacy comes Jesus. The last, the last legacy, because I'm ready to go celebrate, is Bathsheba. Bathsheba, she has a legacy of restoration. I love that uh, in the scripture, I, I've searched most of the scriptures, when they talk about Solomon, they, um, maybe just a couple will say that Bathsheba was the mother, but most translations say that Uri- Uriah's wife was the mother. And I think it's important because Bathsheba, I think, gets a bad rap. And uh, I encourage you to do the study on your own. But, you know, we, we think that she was on the roof taking a bath. She saw David, and she kind of took a little bit of a longer bath and kind of invited the whole thing. But I don't believe that happened. I believe she was just simply doing what was normal to do. And David saw her, and David wanted her, and since David was the king, he was going to have her. I believe Bathsheba loved her husband, Uriah, who was off to war. David calls for her. She goes over. It's not real clear, but uh, I I don't believe it was all candles and a nice little dinner and some romantic music, I believe David probably called her over, and because he was the king and he said, I want to have you, she didn't really have too much of a choice. So, in not too long of a time period, she loses her husband, because the man who has maybe forced himself upon her has had her husband murdered. She lost her husband lost, I'm sure, a little bit of a reputation. Plus, she's pregnant with David's child, goes on to lose that child. Can you, can you imagine? You, the man you love is gone. Now the child that you had with this other guy that you really maybe didn't love is dead. You have no chance of an heir with the man you love because he's gone. She lost quite a bit. But in the very end... You see, of course, that they did have Solomon. She, she loved Solomon. In fact, she imparted a lot of wisdom to Solomon. In fact, she's the one that kind of explained to him what the Proverbs woman is all about. That came from her. 
But in the end, at the end of her life, she absolutely loved David, and David loved her. So she was restored, not only love and, and a husband, but a child. I love that in these, this ancestry, it's not real deep at all, but you don't have uh, the most pristine church ladies and sacred church mothers in the line of Jesus. And how incredibly comforting that is, is very comforting because I, I have to be honest, in searching, you know, Steve and I's family history, it is overwhelming. It is overwhelming when you start reading some of the stories that other people have shared, and, and you see these lives, and you know, you see that picture, and that was pretty close. That was just a great-grandfather. You know, they, they weren't Christian, and they weren't happy people. And you look at that, and you think, I, I came from that. You know, that's, that's me. But in that, I felt, I felt the Lord just really speak to me and in the last couple months just speak to me because there's so much so much more that I want to leave my children and my grand you know I don't want my my great great grandchildren to be putting up a picture of me and Steve and have it be you know them be afraid now I, there's plenty of pictures that they can be afraid of but you know I don't want it to be because we were so bitter and angry and didn't have the joy of the Lord. You know, there's, there's so much that we have to offer. In, in searching the ancestry, and I told you, this, this, this year it's not really incredibly, I don't know, awe-inspiring, but when you're searching all of your past and all of your family, one thing you discover that you deal a lot with is death. Because all those people are dead, except my grandma. They're all dead. So a lot of times when you're looking at these great, great, great grandparents, the only pictures that you find are pictures of tombstones and pictures of grave markers. And in the midst of this study, I found this clip, and I want you to watch it with me very quickly. section 12 with some flowers from my garden. that there's no headstone at all. There's just a marker. That is kind of shocking. This just must be a placeholder. That's sort of... Uh, 
very sad. Very sad. Kind of a shock. November 7th, 1903, Michael Mercer. Well, that's pretty sad. I guess there probably wasn't money at the time to put a headstone on. In 1903, my grandfather was only seven or eight years old. Still, that's kind of that is from the show who do you think you are and rosie of course is going to look at the grave she's uh trying to trace her ancestry back to um ireland and she has found the grave of her great great grandfather and it just impressed me so much because it visibly upset her that there was only just a little marker and that she kept saying over and over again, it's so sad. It's so sad. And I thought, how great is, a, is it for us to celebrate our lives as Christians and our connection to our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, His Son, and that we can go to a grave a tomb that is empty. It's empty. And we don't have to stand at that place and say, it's so sad. It's so sad. What would be sad is if the stone were still there and the body was still there and we could go and put flowers and light candles and, you know, all of that. Or like Marissa at the funeral home where your mom is, they put they bring out little hibachis and they have din they they go and they they actually have lunch at the mausoleum with their their past loved one. We don't we don't have to do that. That the tomb is empty. We the the stone has been rolled away, and we can celebrate the fact that the lover of our souls. My kinsman, kinsman redeemer is living, is living. And I don't have to go to a tomb today. I don't have to be frustrated that there's only a little marker. You know, my grandfather, my grandfather, we, we dumped him in a creek in Pennsylvania that he, in a park that he loved to go to. How crazy is that? But I don't go to that park and stand on the bridge and, you know, look in the creek and think, there goes Grandpa. There goes Grandpa. But I got to do, I do have to tell you real quick that when we did that, we all took handfuls of Grandpa. I didn't think we were going to take handfuls. Grandpa was cremated. I didn't think we were going to take handfuls of Grandpa. I thought we were, he was cremated. Yes, Grandpa was cremated. <laughs> we all took a leg, threw it into the creek. I thought we were just going to go to the creek. He's in, they, they put him like in a Hallmark gift bag. So I thought we were just going to go to the creek, say a few things about Grandpa, and, you know, just dump a little bit of him in there. And so my mother was along. And so, you know, we said, okay, you can go first since it was your dad. And so she, she comes over, and I think David was holding the bag. And uh, she came over, and she just stuck her hand in and, <laughs> and threw some in. I was like, I didn't think we were going to touch him. 
So then it came my turn. I was like, oh, man. So I go over and, you know, I get a handful of Grandpa and take him over and dump him in the creek and, you know, say my Jenny. <laughs> she did the same. David's the only smart one. He was the one holding the bag. He just went over to the end and just dumped him all in and away he went. <sighs> but the gr we were coming home and we were coming back up the stairs to the porch and I'll never forget it. My sister went to take a step and when she stepped down like this, there was grandpa all over the place. We had dust all over us, underneath our fingernails. I just, it was craziness. That's part of the laughter legacy, in case you're wondering where that all fits in. Again, it's not sad. That isn't sad. Because I'm going to get to see him again someday. He may, he may let me have what for because we dumped him in a creek, but, you know... All right, I'm going to tie it up. This past week, Steve and I went to Springfield. Uh, there was some Assembly of God business with CBC, our college. Um, there's a, a merger, I say that loosely, a merger that's going to um, be voted on this next year. So uh, I'm on the alumni board, so we all met to um, say what our stance is on the whole thing. It was very sentimental to go back to Springfield after 13, 14 years and see how everything has changed and how everything has not changed. And when we stepped foot on the campus, it was, it was so grieving because uh, the campus had been run down a little bit and you could just feel, you know, a sense of sadness. And uh, as we were walking the campus, we saw the, you know, the cornerstone of the first building. And it, you know, says that CBC was, you know, founded for the training of missionaries and ministers. And I was taken back to a time while I was at school in our, our graduating year in 89. And there was a song that was sung at our graduation. And uh, the chorus says this. It says, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the light of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. May all who come behind us find us faithful. And how powerful that statement is, because when it comes right down to it, that's all you got to leave behind is the fact that you were faithful. And your kids say, you know, I remember mom, she was a real pain in the butt about this, and I hated when she did this, but you know what? She was faithful. And because of her faithfulness and her love, I'm faithful. And my kids are faithful. And their kids are faithful. So everybody stand, please. This morning, of course, you know, all the mothers, would you all come down? All the ladies. Let's just all have all the ladies. Because no matter where you find yourself in life, you have been touched by somebody. So come on down. Come on down. And then we're going to go eat. We've got ten more minutes before noon. 
grow up, I want to be just like her. But today is about celebrating and celebrating the fact that we, we do have legacies to leave behind, plain and simple. And I just pray that God speaks to all of you today and gives you courage and gives you strength for the task at hand and that your children, your grandchildren will rise up and call you blessed. Instead of, instead of something else. Blessed would be a good word to use today. Praise God. Father God, we're so grateful this morning. So grateful, Lord, for your love and for your mercy. For touching our lives, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord, because we know that you are there for us. Whatever it is, God, we know, God, that you are there for us. If we only reach out to you. We ask you, God, for each one of these women this morning, God. Lord, we ask you for the blessings of God to be upon them. Touch their lives. Lord, let them look to you, Lord, in every situation that comes along, God, and know, God, that you are their strength. You're their provider. You're everything to them, Lord. God, we just pray that you'll bless every one of these women, God. Touch them and their children, Lord, and their family, Lord. Let them be that example, Lord, before their family, God. Lord, just touch every one of their family, Lord. And I know, God, that these ladies' prayers, Lord, is to bring their families in. Just touch, Lord, and anoint each one of these women, God. Let them have a good day, Lord, with their family or whoever they're going out with, God. Let it be a special time. Lord, give them joy. Give them a peace, Lord, that they've never had before. God, we just ask you all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Yeah, okay, let's go have lunch. Amen. Amen. Ladies, we love you dearly. We thank God for you and the impact that you're having on the world. Thank you, Karen, for sharing uh, the word with us today. And what a great, great message. Amen. Um, 
I need to give, I, you need to give us a minute to get back to the table because we have a gift for all of the mothers here today. So uh, I'm so thankful to have you in God's house. Pastor Moses, why don't you just ask God's blessing on our day and give the benediction, please. Father, we thank you for this awesome service. We thank you for your presence in this place. This morning, God, we are so grateful for your word. Father, we are so grateful, Lord God, for the legacy that you've left before us. Father, we thank you, God, that we can go to a tomb that is is not uh, full of your body or has a stone in front of it, God, but that you have risen from the dead, you have resurrected. Father, we thank you for the victory, God, that we can experience every day in our lives. Father, we thank you for your hope and your faith. And God, I ask you for the rest of this day, for those that are doing things and eating with their family and friends, Father, I pray that you would bless them. Father, we ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) 